0: That's to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Men's Basketball Hoop Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who spent last Saturday, instead of watching hoops, he was warming up his house, got back here to Nashville, and had to turn the thermostat back on, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have a man who uh, spent, what, the last Saturday doing what, Sean Lewis? What, what
1: were you up to? A combination of football and rewatching the Batman uh, Chris Nolan Batman trilogy.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, even though Dark Knight Rises, huge disappointment. I'll be on the record saying that.
1: That's a hot take. Wow. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises sucked. It's uh, a
0: correct
2: take, though. Yeah, it was, I was
0: so pumped. And then it just totally let me down because The Dark Knight was so, so good. Like, I rarely go see movies twice. I saw The Dark Knight twice. Um, all right. And then we also have a man who was, John King, what were you doing last Saturday instead of watching Weaver State Hoops? I was with my New York brethren in spirit,
2: watching the Buffalo Bills put the smackdown on the New England Patriots, which is just which is fantastic. I I feel like all my friends from undergrad, uh, you know, were huge were huge huge Bills fans, and just you know they're. They're, they probably are the best fans in, in in sports in the country. I mean, those people, you know that that crowd on Saturday night in five degree weather, that was electric. Like it was just a really really cool atmosphere um, that they have at the uh, uh, um, that they have in Buffalo, and so you know. <laughs> Hey, I, I think I, just, I think that's going to be my playoff team since my Washington football team didn't quite make it this
1: year. Mm-hmm. Can, can I just say that all Weber State fans are honorary members of the Bills Mafia as long as Taryn Johnson's on that team? Yes, Taron, yeah, and you know, for for sure. He's
2: had a hell of a year. So
0: yeah, Taryn had a good game. Um, Highmark Stadium. I mean, I would say that you know if you listen to our episode uh, during, Homecoming week last year, we talked with Amir Jackson about Bill's Mafia and about kind of the way that they've built that culture up in Buffalo. By the way, that game was negative six with wind chill up at Highmark Stadium. So uh, diehards out there, those folks. I saw I think I saw a picture of Ryan Fitzpatrick out there with no shirt on Fitzmagic, baby.
2: that that All that hair on his chest kept him warm.
0: Yes, sir. (laughs) But uh, something to aspire to as Wildcat fans, Uh, Bill's Mafia, you know, the culture comes from the fans. So, all right, fellas, well, uh, we got a little bit of a show today. Obviously, not a lot of hoops happened last week. So we're going to talk a little bit about the game that did happen uh, against Idaho. The tribe from the north came down to Ogden to take on the Wildcats. We'll talk a little bit about that game. And then we'll I got a little game for our panel here today. It's going to be called Factor Cap. We're going to see if they can smell a rat. Can they see if it's true or if it's not true? We're going to find out. Uh, before we get into all that, I want to encourage everybody to subscribe, uh, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. go ahead and check us out. Weaver State Weekly can be found there. We're also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter a great place to interact with Wildcat fans us, and the Weaver State Weekly team on game day. And then you can follow our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weaver State Weekly, support what we're trying to do. Um also if you're on one of those podcast feeds and you wouldn't mind give us a like or uh give us a rating helps us climb in the rankings and uh, let other wildcat fans know that we exist and that we're out here talking about Weber State sports. So guys with that let's start talking about this Idaho game. Um I think that the Idaho game was definitely one that everyone expected the Wildcats to do well. Um Vandals are coming off of a pretty poor season last year. Um things have improved I would say a little bit. They they were definitely a hot shooting team. Uh, but I don't think a game that the Wildcats were terribly nervous about going into this. I think it was pretty clear that the Wildcats in the Purple Palace were going to win. Uh, and they did. Of course, they ended up winning by 10. But um, I wanted to ask, uh, like, game started out a little bit slow. Uh, but then things, you know, Wildcats kind of found the, ri- the rhythm against that zone defense. Initial thoughts, guys, from this one. Just uh, top of the rack takes. John King.
2: Well, you know, one thing I was kind of thinking of watching the game, and I meant to say this last week when we were on the uh, when we were on the, the show, but I talked about one of the one of the you know few concerns I have for this Wildcat team is the um, are, are, are the low assist numbers um, so far this year. Only nine. And in this so with those numbers, I, I I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks, and then we kind of saw it last Thursday night as I was wondering how long it was going to be before a couple of teams started mixing in a little bit of zone. Um, um against the cats and we got to see a little bit of that last thir- uh, uh la- last Thursday night I think that's something we're probably going to see a little bit more um um uh as we kind of go down the stretch in the season I think that there are some teams that are going to try to mix that in uh that are going to try to mix that in against um against Weaver State um just because you know ball movement hasn't been the greatest at times this year. And we only had nine assists again um, uh, in Thursday night's game. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think that that's going to be something we see a little bit more. And I think that that's going to be something that it, as we get to the, you know, the winning end of the season, you know, the end of the season that matters. Um, I, I think that's going to be something we have to become a, pretty comfortable with um, as we move towards the conference tournament.
0: Yeah, I mean, a good call out, John, like you said, only nine assists in that game. The Vandals ended up with 16, I believe. And so it can be an issue at times because the Wildcats, uh, the offense tends to revolve. And luckily, there are quite a few folks who can slash to the basket and they've had success doing that. But um, when the ball kind of sticks and uh, guys aren't cutting, what ends up happening? You know, Um, Sean Lewis, your thoughts on the game on Thursday night against the Vandals?
1: You know, my, my thoughts are that sitting in the arena and, and boy, howdy, was it good to be back uh, in the mm-hmm. purple palace? So it felt like way too long away. Uh, but the, uh, just felt like one of those games where nothing crazy happened. And once the wildcats pulled away and and were able to get up and then they were up by, by six or 10 for most of the second half. And, and even though they got up, it never felt like Idaho was making that run. Usually teams will make a run about midway through the second half and just never felt like uh, uh, Idaho was going to do that. So I sitting in the arena, it never felt like the game was in doubt. Um, in fact, I'd spent more time worrying about the uh, uh, the officials and, and I, I'm going to, Go on the record, one of my least favorite officials was was working this game. We won't name names, but but it's one where when he walks in the door, you know something weird's going to happen. In the last three minutes, something weird happened. Uh, they had a couple of reviews that, that didn't get announced in, in the arena, so yeah. fans had no clue what was going on. Yeah, and it took forever. To, you know, I started my car with remote start with with three minutes left, thinking we were going to go, and it has a 10-minute timer, and it took more than 10 minutes to to play those last three minutes of the ball game which you know when you're up by 10 that never should have been an issue but um i the comments that i had you know uh uh idaho was was struggling with playups um we were had uh in the first half six steals uh and on 10 turnovers uh by the by the by the vandals and and so i thought the defense was was working well for the wildcats um, but I, I didn't really worry about that game. It, it just seemed like once once we were found their rhythm, they were good to go, and and they they never allowed the Vandals to make that that run. I think they got it within six or four in the second half, but it never felt that close.
0: Yeah, I mean, a good point because, uh, like you said, there were some definitely some some moments where like, okay, they're going to, they were getting it done on the outside. Uh, You know, the Vandals ended up shooting pretty hot and we're going to talk about that here in a second, but a good call out, Sean, noting that, I mean, when the, when the Vandals were in the paint, they didn't necessarily have the size to deal with Dante Bassett or uh, we saw some Cody Carlson minutes. Um, You know, they just, they didn't have the answer there. And so because of that, they just couldn't cash in on what should be high percentage shots. So a credit to the Wildcat defense in keeping them off the board. Because also the, the the rebound numbers were about the same. You know, it, it was
1: 34-33 Idaho. Yeah. And, and, and Idaho with their size should have out-rebounded us, but, but we were there. So it was a good rebounding game for the Wildcats. Yeah, definitely.
0: But I mean, definitely hear what you're saying where it's like, but... At the same time, some weird officiating things went on toward the end, which is totally true. Like you said, a couple of really weird reviews that happened at the end of the game. It was just like, why? Why are we doing this? And it took an awful lot of time. We sort of slowed the game down in a way that it didn't need to happen.
1: By the way, I I was mistaken. The Vandals never got it closer than 10 in the second half. Um, they, we started the second half with a uh, 13 point lead and they never got closer than 10. Wildcats did get as high as 18 in the second half with the lead. So that that whittled away. But again, you, they never got within 10 or closer than 10. So the game never felt in doubt.
0: Yeah. Uh, another thing I want to point out, and this was sort of at the beginning of the game, um, you mentioned officiating and Dylan Jones ended up getting into a little bit of foul trouble early in the game. I ended up with two early in the first, uh, first half. And so because of that I ended up having to sit, but he came back when he, when he, when he had his his opportunity on the floor, he made the most of it shot 50% from two, four of eight, and then also went two of three from three uh, along with um, eight rebounds. And so just a good, a good game at the minutes that he got what they were a little bit suppressed from normal because of just the the foul trouble. And I mean, do you guys think that that's just a a function of certain guys call certain whistles and they don't, I mean, they're obviously the Wildcats are a team that wants to get steals. I mean, I don't know, John King, what what did you make of, of that early foul trouble? And do you think it's a a problem that persists or is it just a one-off?
2: I don't think it'll be a problem that persists um, because uh, um, you know, I think I think Dylan Dylan Jones has done a pretty good job throughout the year um, staying out of foul trouble, even when playing as a small ball uh, five. But I mean, you know, games like that are going to happen over the course of a over a 30 game se- season. I mean, that's just how that's just how basketball goes. You'll get caught in a bad switch a couple of times and bam, you know, the next thing you know, you're sitting on um, you're sitting on the bench. I mean, you know. We've talked all season about how key that he is to this team and how yeah. you know he is the engine that makes this team go. So it's going to be truly imperative for him the rest the, for him the rest of the season to make sure that he's staying out of foul trouble. But I don't think that's going to be. I mean, he's 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 a pretty smart defender. He he doesn't normally miss a lot of rotations um, uh, on on the back end for this defense. Um, so I I don't think this is going to be something that is. It really is a long-term issue, but, I mean, definitely uh, d- definitely was a little bit alarming, uh, um, you know, last Thursday night. So isn't that why we have
1: a, a deep bench, right? That's why you have Dante mm-hmm. Bassett. That's why you have Cody Carlson. You've got multiple guys that can play inside and, and are supposed to be working that, that inside, getting the rebounds, getting those points. The problem is do it all. DJ does exactly that. He does it all. And he is, he is a monster on the floor and he's everywhere. He's a ball Hawk. He's a, he's always around the ball. It uh, just feels like he's the, the, the engine that makes the team go. So when he does get in that foul trouble, it's a little bit disappointing, but I like John King, I, I think this is a, a one-off. Um, I think the officials there were, there were fouls that you And this is every game. So I'm not going to put this on one game on the officials, but there are fouls that you're like, what are you seeing? And then there are fouls that like that, that wasn't called, you know, there, there was no consistency on Thursday night on what was being called and what was not. And I think DJ just got caught up in that. Um, and, and it's unfortunate, but that's, you've got to, the best teams have to be able to overcome the worst officiating.
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing, though, that I would say on the flip side of that, um, just going down here to the end of the of the rundown, uh, because of that, Dyson Kohler got quite a few more minutes. I think he ended up having like 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Because of the need for the Wildcats to plug somebody else in because of the foul trouble for Dylan early. And uh, he also made the most of it. I mean, Dyson ended up coming away with 11 points. Most of that coming from the free throw line, six of seven hit a big corner three. I mean, and that was an and one situation as well. So that was a four point play. Um, I mean, it's sort of nice to have a guy like Dylan Jones. If he, if he goes down a little bit, you have somebody like Dyson Kohler who can do many of the same things and is at that same level, you know, in terms of his, his class, um, do you guys think that there's sort of this dynamic duo emerging with those two guys where it's like we've got a couple of guys now who maybe aren't the hugest guys on the floor but once we get into conference play physical guys who are all around they can they they force spacing issues you know because they can shoot outside but they also are able to get rebounds and stuff like that. I mean, do you guys see something like that taking hold as time goes on and as these guys get more time to play together on the floor? Let me spit that back at you
1: in a different way. We only ran eight guys on, on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I think Randy is figuring out who his eight man rotation is, which has been his traditional number. Uh, he runs eight guys normally. Um, I think he's still playing with starters. And we saw that, uh, Dante Bassett, Dante Bassett got the start on Thursday mm-hmm. night. That's he right. hasn't started much this, this season. So I, I think it's more f- still figuring out rotations. Um, as we early in the conference season, and then as we get to the second half of this, the conference season, when we've seen everybody once, you're, you'll start to see a more set role for each of these guys. So I think he's still trying to figure out that center uh, and that big uh, position there.
0: I mean, John, what what do you think of this? Because um, in the game against Montana, some folks criticized the coach Ray, noting that, like Sean said, we stuck to about eight, nine guys in that game. And I think... Travis DeCure ended up going with like 11, 12, you know, and I think Dylan Jones played that entire game. And so some folks have asked like, how sustainable is this rotation where we're going to stick with eight guys and, you know, and it works now, but I mean, we've got, I mean, we'll talk about this in a bit, but we've got a couple of weeks coming up that are just going to be really, really big because there are going to be a lot of games played over a two week period. I mean, do you, do you see the, the shortness of the bench as a problem? when it comes to experience, like, like, how do you, how do you see that, John?
2: Well, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned Montana playing, you know, 11 or 12 guys. Uh, um, and I, and I think that that's actually a little bit too much um, because, you know, when you watch like the NBA playoffs, or you watch you know major college basketball games, you know games that really mean something. You never play eleven or twelve guys, period. I mean, that's something that um, the Bucks got crushed for a couple of years ago because it was like, okay, well, you know, Giannis is only going to play his thirty-five minutes a night, and he's not going to play any more than thirty-five minutes because you have the notion of uh, 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 of the of the notion of keeping him fresh, you know, for, throughout the entire se- series. And then, bang! I think they lost that series four to one, and it's like, well, I mean, you know. Don't you think you should have come off that one a little bit? Um, yeah. I'd like to see maybe one more guy make it into the rotation just to, just, just to, sp- just to sp- uh, spare some minutes because, you know, I don't think it's sustained, you know, if you've got a 40 minute game, I mean, and you've got guys that are playing, you know, all 40 of them, those minutes. I mean, you're not getting the best out of them at all times. I mean, I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty, um, uh, uh, plain to see, but you know, it'd be really nice. I mean, the, the, the really the only positional question that I have about this team is what are we going to do about the center spot? And I think that's a, that's a, that's a question that a lot of Weber state fans are asking. And, you know, I said last week on the podcast that, you know, I'm a huge fan of this small ball lineup. I think the small ball lineup is really good, but the small ball lineup means that Dylan Jones is going to be playing a lot of a lot of minutes, and that will add up over the course of the season. So I think this is kind of a two two fold thing. One, we have to manage our we have to really manage our roster because there are going to be games down the stretch where we blow teams out. Got to manage the roster in those in those blowouts to try to get you know some of our key guys some rest there. But I think you know most in in most games. I mean, we're going to need our key players to play you know somewhere between thirty four and thirty five minutes. You know. I was really happy to see, you know, Dante Bassett get, 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 get 17 minutes the other night. I think that's going to be huge because, you know, he is another body that you can throw into that, you know, center conundrum that we're, we're talking about. But, uh, and that's a guy that, you know, can get that, that's a guy that could, that could spell Dylan, you know, Dylan Jones at times, because he could be like, okay, well I can get, two minutes, you know, before the under 10 timeout, you know, for Dylan right here, because we've got a nice little lead. Um, he's a guy that can come in, you know, and, and, and do those kinds of things. And we saw that a lot last year. I mean, I, 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 I I've been pretty complimentary on him in the past. I don't think that there's been, you know, many, many guys that are bigger Dante Bassett pants than this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think him kind of working himself into that, like ninth, him being that ninth person, I, I do think is going to pay dividends over the course of the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to come at this from a different, from this kind of the same angle, but, but just, I, I'm okay with coach Ray having an eight man core rotation. And if that's the, the rotation you want to stick to, but you've got to be able to manage the schedule, right? Let's, let's look ahead. We've got Monday. We've got tonight starting tonight. We've got yep. Monday, Thursday, Saturday, then if the schedule holds Monday, Thursday, Saturday, so that's six games in the next two weeks when you're used to playing Thursday and Saturday, that adding that extra Monday and some travel. I know, I know tonight's only to Pocatello. It's only a couple hours. It's not like you're going to the, the Portland Sacramento stretch but, but, or but you're next you're week not doing the Montana next, next week. Week's you are. Crazy. Yeah. And so, so I've, I've got to think that in order to manage the team to keep the eight core fresh, you've got to run some other guys in there and and give them them spells so so that they can get that rest because you don't want to burn out your eight-man rotation over the next two weeks and then be dogs when the schedule returns to normal, if it does.
2: Well, I... and no, no disrespect to, to Idaho state, but this is a week where you've got to ban- You've got to manage minutes um, because Idaho state yeah. is towards that, you know, lower end of the
0: conference. Um, they, are they still in last place? Um, the, Idaho state currently is in the Massey ratings. They are 342 out of 358. They are the one of the worst teams in the country.
2: And so, you know, this is a game where we need to take care of business early, build a big lead. And then our key guys don't need to, you know, hopefully can play less than 25 minutes. Right. Um, because this is, because next week is like Sean, like, like you said, next week is a brutal, brutal travel week. And, you know, it's, it sucks because this is the, this is the world that we're living in at the moment. And obviously the schedule wasn't, you know, written up this way when it was first created, but I mean, this is the week where, where it's going to be really, really important to kind of manage those minutes so that next week we're as fresh as we can be for the three games um, uh, and all the travel that's going to have to be done next week. For for the record, Idaho is zero and five in the Big Sky. Idaho State
1: is one and four because they beat Idaho. Just beat them.
0: Yeah, I was going to say in the Massey ratings. I mean, Idaho State just went up four, so they were three hundred and forty six until they beat Idaho in Pocatello last weekend. So it's it's obviously not good times. I would say, you know, Tariq Cool is a really interesting player, and I think he's somebody to watch for tonight. Um, he's fun. Uh, but like John said, I think that this these, these next couple of games are this opportunity to kind of work some guys in. The Wildcats should be good enough to be the team that kind of gets out sets a sets the tone, gets that early lead, go up 15, 20, and then, you know, let Coach Ray unload the bench with some guys and give them opportunity to kind of get some minutes and give some of the other guys because next week is crazy. Monday at SUU, Thursday at Northern Colorado, Saturday at Sac State. That's a lot of travel. And I mean, and, two and it's of those... Around. It, it it's it, you're You're going south,
1: then you're going east, then you're flying all the way west. That That's a weird travel for the big sky. It's
0: a well, lot of- plus two of those road games are going to be tough. Like SUU is a good team. Yeah. Northern Colorado is a good team. Like those will be bellwether games for the Wildcats to see where they truly are at in the conference. Because if you can beat those teams on the road or split, I mean, that's that's pretty good. I mean, Sac State, you should be able to handle pretty pretty fairly. But those two games are going to be really, really critical. Um, I want to talk now, guys, uh, we, uh, you know, you mentioned... John Dante Bassett got the start in this one ended up going 17 minutes a rough offensive game for him he only went one for five got a couple of rebounds but a couple of assists do you think that it's just sort of a ramping up for him you know getting him back in the rotation because we didn't see him I don't think at all in the non-conference schedule now getting him back in and just kind of working through what's your take on Dante Bassett in these early minutes.
2: Well, I think I think it's gonna be. I think we're gonna know more this, you know, this time next week because I do think it is a ramping up. Um, Just looking at his, uh, um, looking at his numbers during the year. I mean, played obviously in the. uh, um, uh, He he really only played in one week of the season I mean played in the game against um uh um Maine Fort Kent and then and then and both uh, it, that was his most minutes on the season playing um playing uh 12 minutes um and then got 4 minutes against Utah State 6 minutes against was, BYU and had 20 minutes and so yeah. you know we're we're going on you know almost almost three months of the season and, and, you know, he has and, and we don't know the, uh, the extent of the in, in injury. And I'm assuming that, you know, since he played 17 minutes the other night that he is, he is, he is cleared and is, you know, now ramping up to be a, you know, in your top six, you know, people in your uh, six people in your rotation. Um, but I think that that's, I think, like I said, next week, I think we're really going to have a good idea. Cause over the next three games between, you know, Idaho State twice, and um, uh, and, and Southern Utah next Monday night. I mean, we're gonna see, I, I think we're gonna have a really good idea. I think of um, of where Dante Bassett is, um, uh, moving forward for the rest of the season. And look, I personally, right now, like. I I just wanted to be, I just wanted to get, in, you know, get in good basketball shape because you know, I'm, here, I'm, I'm okay with sacrificing a, a game here or a game there. If we can just make sure that we have our best team possible together for when, you know, we take the trip to Boise here and, uh, uh, in like a month and a half, um, we, we, we want to be firing all cylinders and we want to be as healthy as we possibly can be. Um, because at the end of the day, that's what, that's the thing that matters.
0: Yeah. I mean, the conference, uh, pushing, pushing, uh, tickets to, to the set in Boise for the conference championship. I mean, I think they said 50 days or something like that. So coming up quickly, I mean, Sean Lewis, I wanted to ask you this. Um, we saw, like John King noted, a lot of these. Do you think that, you know, there's some... We haven't really heard a lot about injury with Dante Bassett. You know, Brett Hein hasn't really reported much, or maybe I missed it, talking about some sort of injury that he might have had and he's rehabbing, but now he seems to be clear of whatever that whatever that was. I mean, do you think that just that was something holding him back and now it's his opportunity to kind of get into the rotation, like John King is saying, get into shape, basketball shape, as we move toward uh, going up to Boise?
1: I am sure that's part of it. Um, I don't have inside information into what's going on on the team and practice. Um, I, like I said earlier, I think coach Ray is still experimenting with how he wants this lineup to be. And as long as we're peaking for three days in Boise in March, then he can experiment all his want. I, I'm not a coach. There's a, there's a guy and I'm, I hope he's probably listening. So I, I don't know. Somebody sits behind me and yells, put in a center half, half the games <laughs> at the D event center. And, and it's just, mm-hmm. just getting on my nerves a little bit, but, but uh, it, it's just like, but then coach listens and the next thing you know, they're putting in a center and all of a sudden we do better. So yeah. uh, uh, I, I think that there's still some some things to be worked out with this team. This team is not a finished product. That um, we've still got a long way to go. We're not even halfway through the conference schedule, and and the next two weeks are going to be telling uh, for how we can handle this or how the Wildcats can handle this this adversity that they've got coming up. Uh, but I'm not going to stress. Look, the Wildcats are four and one, top, number one seed right now in the Big Sky Conference. You take care of your business. We'll be fine in Boise. Uh, I, I, I uh, there's nothing from Thursday night that makes me worry about the team. And I'm sure there's a lot of fans on here that will disagree with me on that, but I'm, well, I'm trying to just keep up a, a a good facade that, that I like where this team is at. We're four and one. There's not much to complain about.
0: Well, I actually do have something to complain about. And I wanted to get you guys' take on this. The Vandal shot 44% from two and 43% from three. <laughs> but the 19 turnovers did them in. The Wildcats don't appear to have cracked the code against good shooting teams this this season. I mean, the good shooting teams like Utah State, like BYU, like Fresno, like Washington State, they just absolutely ravaged the Wildcats from behind the three-point line. Uh, my fear is that if the Wildcats run into a very good three-point shooting team somewhere, or if a team in, in conference play gets hot shooting behind the arc, I mean, my worry is that the Wildcats don't have the tools or the scheme to shut that down? I mean, is anybody worried about the way that teams have shot against the Wildcats? Because I think the numbers are high. Well, Go I mean, ahead, Joe. So, so,
2: some, some people may say, you know, and I, I tend to be in this sometimes that's just college basketball, um, is, you know, and but that's keeps the, happening. And that's, you know, that is something that I would like to see what happens, is, you know, I, I'd like to see what happens over this next this this next like w- week or so stretch because i'd like to see what happens in the game against southern utah i'd really like to see what it would happen what happens in the game against northern uh against northern colorado um because i mean you are right colby i mean that is something that is 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 definitely definitely a worrying um that is definitely a worrying thing because you know you don't want most te- most times when you play a team and they shoot 43 um that, that means you lost uh, because that's just the way that's just the way the basketball goes. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's something that I'm hoping, you know, if Dante Bassett can, you know, kind of get back to form and be the rim protector that, you know, we did see um, that we did see during last season that allows so much more Aggressiveness on the defensive end because you have a you have an eraser you have someone that can make up for uh, make up for things in the back end which allows you to be a lot more aggressive on the perimeter which that's how you stop three point shooting and you know when I think the Wildcats do go small I think that that is something that you know that that is the weakness of the small lineup is that you have to sacrifice um, uh, you know you, you you have to sacrifice parts of your game on the interior. If you want to, if you want to stop guys driving to the basket, I mean, if you're going to play small, you, you know, guys have to help, um, uh, guys have to help out when, you know, people get beat on the perimeter and that just leaves shooters open. But if you have someone who's in the middle there who can be that rim protector and, you know, not, not cause for so much, you know, so much help defense to be played that helps the guys out on the, that helps the guys out on the perimeter um, to make sure that they're getting and running those three point shooters off the line and making them work a little bit harder for their
1: baskets. I think there's a professional team in Utah that just experienced that over the last four or five games when they lost their rim protector. And we saw what a defensive sieve the the front line was during those five games. But let's, let's get to to real facts here, Colby, to answer your question. The next two weeks, the five top uh, three point shooting teams in the big sky Northern Colorado, Idaho, Eastern Washington, Northern Arizona, Southern Utah. I, I, that pretty much reads like the schedule over the next two weeks, right? Yep. And uh, Northern Colorado is the the top shooting team from three point land. They average ten and a half three three points made per game, and they are chucking. Northern Colorado has attempted four hundred and fifty eight three pointers. Now Idaho is the top team by by three point percentage at three eighty three, but they've only taken three hundred and sixty attempts so you look at northern colorado they're they're a hundred more three-point attempts on top of idaho and and they're shooting you know one 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 hundredth of a percentage lower so northern colorado is really the team that that we need to pay attention to this week because they're the ones that are going to chuck it from the cheap seats during the entire game and it'll be interesting to see how the wildcat defense goes up against that team but but we're gonna that your question that you just asked: Can we defend the three point line? That's going to get answered over the next two weeks as we face the top five three point shooting teams in the conference.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and the guy to watch out for in that Northern Colorado matchup is going to be Drew Cuxhausen because you know he's he's the guy shooting forty three percent right now. I mean, it's just absolutely bonkers what he's getting. And so you're right, Sean. Like if the Wildcats are going to do something like this, next little bit is going to be telling because. Yeah, that top five. I mean, we've played Northern Arizona once. We just played Idaho, Northern Colorado right there at the top and SUU as well. And so it's like these guys are hitting at pretty high clips. Um, Going to be interesting. Last question I wanted to ask and then we can wrap this up, guys. Sigu and JJ had 18 points each. Um, good to see both of those guys heating up because it feels like um, it feels like they had some some slow starts earlier in the season, but now maybe they're getting... I mean, Sigu has been here already. He kind of understands, but I think bringing in some of the new guys and having to spread the ball around has changed the way that the offense ran compared to last year. And so, I mean, are we starting to see something cook there where these guys are getting more comfortable? They're getting used to playing each other now. We've got, you know, we've had quite a few games now. Everybody's getting comfortable and they're figuring it out. I mean, are we going to see more, more 18, uh, you know, 15 to 20 point games from guys like Segu and JJ Overton?
2: We need Segu to play well. Um, yeah. And and that's just, he is an important player for this. He's an extremely important player for this team. And that is someone, you know, that we are going to need play extremely well in the, um, 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 You know, down the stretch and in the conference tournament, if the Wildcats hope to make the NCAA tournament, Um, you know, J.J. Overton is someone that I've been like extremely, you know, I didn't really know much about him before the season started. And I've been really I've really enjoyed watching him play that he you know, we've talked about this before. He brings an athletic dimension to the game that I don't think that anybody else on the squad does um, just because he is so long he is so long and he is so, you know, he is so springy. Um, and so, you know, those are, those are two guys that, you know, I, I really hope cause I feel like, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up, I'm pulling up, uh, I f- I'm pulling up uh, uh, his statistics real quick, but you know, last year we kind of watched, we watched Segu really have a strong close to the season. And he was right there with Isaiah Brown as kind of this two headed monster um uh, uh in the uh in in the backcourt and um he he started the season out you know pre- pretty pretty well but over the last couple of weeks you know has had some you know has had some has had some really you know struggling games. so i'm hoping that this is something that turns that helps him to turn the corner as we kind of turn to the home stretch of the uh, uh turn the home to the home stretch of the season but he is definitely a player that you, that the wildcats need to play well um, if we're going to make the NCAA tournament this year, there's just, there's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with John, the looking at, at JJ's, uh, game by games, the, the games that he, uh, performed the least in were the games that the Wildcats have lost. Um, and, and it looks like teams maybe are focusing a little bit of defense on JJ because he is so athletic, um. I I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in the, the the defensive scheming, but, but if, if we have a good game from JJ over and it seems like the cats win. Same thing with, with uh, Sigu. So I, I think they are top talents in the big sky conference. Um, but we need them to put it together and, and, that's what I had to say about that, I guess. Cause I, I just, I w I want them to, to be successful. And it seems like as those two go, so go the wildcats.
0: Yeah. I think, I think you're right, Sean. I think it's a put it all together situation because we know that Kobe McEwen and Dylan Jones can get there as we've seen Dyson Kohler hit threes, you know, when Zaire Porter is, is hitting, you know, he's a little bit streaky, but when he's hitting, I mean, he's on right. Like, and so the spacing is there, which provides sort of these opportunities, but the linchpin and Coach Cravens mentioned this a few times on the broadcast on Thursday night. which by the way, shout out to Tony Parks and Coach Cravens. I really love that investment by the university. Kind of bring them in to be the uh, TV guys for the Wildcats. Um, the Wildcats only have had one person foul out and it's happened in three games. And it's all been JJ Overton. And so I think that you're right that teams maybe kind of have their eye on JJ Overton and his athletic ability and his aggressiveness on defense, because they know that if they can get him into trouble, it creates a problem for the Wildcats offensively because of his ability to slash to the basket. Um, You know, just teams know that if they can take that away, then the Wildcats lose a, a pretty significant weapon due to foul trouble. And then, you know, they're they're left to figure out, okay, what's going to happen next? Is it going to be more you know, shooting? Is it going to be more trying to get the ball inside to some of the bigs? Which Tony Parks mentioned this a few times in the broadcast, that Wildcats have had a lot of success with that small ball lineup. John, you mentioned the same thing earlier. That when they have that small ball lineup on, it just seems to... The spacing seems to be good. The defense seems to be good. They overall seem to be putting that together. And so if if everybody can kind of put it together, if we can get Segu clicking JJ Overton, we know Kobe McEwen has what it takes, along with Dylan Jones's scoring ability and mm-hmm. his rebounding ability and his defense. Like, I mean, that's a that's a dangerous team. That's the team that we hoped would gel and come together as we head into Boise. Any final thoughts guys before I wrap this one up? Nope. We beat the dead horse. Wildcats win against the Vandals. Everybody uh expected it. It happened. Um, and we learned, I think a little bit more about this team.
1: Just, just give our condolences to our friends at Tubbs at the club.
0: Uh, you know, the Tubbs guys, you know, especially Brian, those guys have been watching this team. And and I think that, you know, overall they've been happy with some of the progress that has happened because Idaho is not nearly as bad as they were last season. They have made some strides, obviously losing to Idaho state over the weekend was a bummer for them. But overall, I think that they're seeing movement and those guys are so jazzed about football right now that, I mean, I don't think that the hoops <laughs> thing matters to them. There's a lot of hope in Moscow right now with coach Eck. Right. Um, Let's talk about... Let's, let's play the game now, though, guys. Uh, fact or cap? So I've got uh, I've got some some situations here or some takes, and I want to see if you guys can smell a rat. So the first... Uh, my first take, I guess, or the first statistic is what I'm going to call them. Wildcats are currently second in the conference in field goal percentage. Is that fact or is that whack? Sean Lewis, I'll let you go first. That is fact. <laughs> Okay. John King, what do you think? Fact or whack?
2: I I was going to guess that that that, that was going to be a
0: fact as well. And... It's true. Wildcats are currently second in the, the conference shooting 46.5% from field goal range uh, behind number one, Montana State, who shoot currently currently shooting 46.7. So just a hair ahead of the Wildcats. But I mean, good to see that like the Wildcats are a team that can score and they can score in bunches, right? Like we, we know that we, we've seen it. Um, it's just sometimes stopping getting stops on the defensive side that have caused some problems. So you guys handled that one pretty easily. Let's go to the next one now. Wildcats, the Weber State currently boasts the second best three-point defense in the conference. Is that fact or is that cap? Sean Lewis?
1: I, I feel like you're missing an R in that second word um, of cap um, <laughs> because that is a big pile of poo. Weaver State is the second worst uh, three-point field goal percentage defense in the conference, only ahead of Montana, the hated Grizzlies.
2: John King, what about you? Yeah, I was going to say, based on the conversation that we, you know, just had a couple seconds ago, I was going to go cap on that one just because that is something that, you know, we hope we, we, we we need to improve going down the stretch here.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely, Cap. Uh, like Sean Lewis noted, the Wildcats are actually the second worst in the conference. They give up 36% per game. And so uh, when you're giving up 36% from three, uh, you put yourself in a, in a dangerous situation where if you're not scoring that night, Ah uh, Man, I mean, it really makes it hard for yourself. Let's go to the next one, guys. Kobe McEwen currently has the best free throw percentage on the team.
1: So <laughs> Sorry, I want to I want to clarify this one. Are we are we
0: doing a minimum number of attempts? Uh, I don't I don't think. Yeah, I, I would say. that. Yeah, like there's there is probably a minimum number of attempts. I don't know what that number is. Because I'm sure that there's probably somebody on the team that's like one of two or something weird like that, but I don't know what the minimum is. I'm guessing probably at least ten to twenty attempts. Because it's uh, I pulled this number from the from the Big Sky Conference's website, and so.
1: Well, I'm looking at the Weber States website, so I am cheating on this one. I should have full disclosure. You cheated on all the of these. Man. Are, I cheated on all of these because <laughs> I got the information ahead of time and it, it's easy to look up. Uh, Kobe McEwen is actually currently fifth if you're not taking a, 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 a minimum. Um, he's shooting 77% from three point land. I, I want to challenge my friend John King, though, if he can name who is number one without looking. No minimum required. Hmm.
0: No minimum. No minimum required. Well, I feel like it's a big man. I know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing too. Cody Carlson.
1: No, it's actually David Nkezui. I can't see. Oh, Nkezui. David Nkezui's four for four from fr- the free throw line. Um, Zahir Porter hitting ninety two. He's actually ninety two nine. So I'll give him. I'll round up to ninety three.
0: He's our best free throw shooter on the team. is Zahir Porter. Oh yeah. Well, the number that I pulled from the conference website was actually Dylan Jones, Dylan Jones shooting 82% from the line. See,
1: I have got him at 83, uh, uh, there, but he's number three on my list on, on the Weber States. So maybe the big sky hasn't updated for the latest games. Who knows? Um, but, uh, I I would be okay with either here or, or Dylan on the line, uh, if, if we needed a free throw to win a game. Yeah. All
0: right, guys. Go to the next one. The best rebounder in the conference is Mr. Dylan Jones. Is that fact or is that cap? John King, let's go to you first before Sean Lewis ruins it for you. Uh,
2: Well, I was going to say I think that that's fact because I remember looking at these numbers last week when we were doing the show last week, and I was pretty pretty sure that 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 he was because I think he was over 11 rebounds a game last week when when I looked. So I'm going to say fact on that one. Sean Lewis. He is number one in
1: the conference, averaging 10.3 boards per game. Next closest is uh, Mr. James from
0: Portland state at 9.8. Yeah. And I think that Tony parks noted in the broadcast last week that like Dylan Jones was like 10th in the country or something with his rebounding average. So pretty, pretty high overall in the NCAA numbers, but um, number one in the conference right now in rebounds, which maybe surprises some folks because, you know, they, they look at Dylan Jones and go, that's the guy, but it's like, you got to watch him. You just got to watch him. The guy is a rebounding
1: savant, much like yep. uh, Mr. Rodman was in the NBA 20 years ago. Yeah, I,
0: I was going to note that no other Wildcat is in the top 20 in the conference. All right, guys, final one. Weber State has the highest Massey rating in the conference at 144. Fact or cap?
2: I, I feel like the national, uh, you know, the, 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 the national things love us. So we're going to go fact on
0: that one. Sean Lewis, what do you think?
2: It's a fact.
1: Uh, the Southern Utah is next closest to 158. Um, but the true connoisseur, I mean, we really should be looking at Ken Palm, right? Um, and okay. Weaver State is is not uh, number one in the conference in the Ken Palm that goes to Southern Utah. Um, I think uh, Weaver's in uh, uh, Southern Utah is at 141 in Ken Palm, Weaver's at 148 in Ken Palm. That changes, uh, that updates as games happen. So, um, could change. Montana State's not too far behind at 152.
0: Uh, a little bit more bunching for the big sky in Ken Palm than in the Massey. Yeah, so the answer to this one, it is fact. In the Massey, the Wildcats are currently number one in the conference at 144. The next closest, SUU at 158. So Wildcats will get their chance to prove what they can do against... The T Birds, who like, like Sean Lewis just noted, currently actually have a higher Ken Palm rating than than Weaver State. So, an opportunity to maybe raise that up and kind of see where they're at. Uh, we know that SU, a very good team, the regular season champs, uh, fell a little bit short in the conference tournament last year, but I mean, a good team nonetheless. And we'll kind of see how that shakes out when the Wildcats take the trip down to Cedar City in about a week. I think it's a week from today. It is a so, week from
1: today. I, I want to know from you guys, I know this is extending our show a little bit, but. Uh, I kind of felt like Southern Utah hit their stride last year. They won the conference and and we've got two games against Idaho state. So we've got Pocatello tonight Poc- or in Ogden against uh, the Bengals on Thursday. But so the next true test for the Wildcats is that Monday game against Southern Utah is Southern Utah for real this year. Cause, cause I, I just, I thought they would lose the, didn't they lose a lot of their talent, but they seem to be back. I just, I feel like they're kind of fraudulent, but I don't know you, you guys pay attention to the conference more than I do. Is Southern Utah, are these true
0: numbers for them? Or or is there something that I'm missing on this team? So what I'll say is that the thing with with Southern Utah is yes, they might have lost some guys, but they have some key guys that remain. And those guys are John mm-hmm. Knight the third. They've got Tevian Jones still, who is, you know, on a number of mm-hmm. watch lists, and they still have Mason Fawcett. So they've got three really key guys who remain. And uh and, and so I think that like, they are a good team. They, they did have that early misstep against DSU earlier, but when they got the chance to play them again, which I thought was weird that they played them again and out of conference, maybe it was like a pre-whack thing. I don't know. Yeah. They yeah. absolutely demolished Dixie state when they or Utah tech or whatever we're going to call them. Like they took care of business the second time. And so I think that they're a team that I think that they're maybe right about where they were last year, where it's like, they are a good team, uh can they be beat yes they can be beat um but it just kind of depends on how you get them john what, what's your take
2: i was kind of thinking the same thing cuz and you know looking at their early season um uh looking at their early season games for sure like that yale overtime game is also kind of a weird one as well mm-hmm. You should um, beat that team but, uh, uh, but yeah, like Colby said, you know, they, they do have kind of a three headed attack, um, that I think is going to be a good challenge for the Wildcats, uh, um, t- you know, to try and stop next week. Um, but, uh, uh yeah, I, it, it, they definitely seem like a team and this is, you know, a lazy thing I th- to say, I think, but, you know, they, they seem like a team that they could, they could beat a lot of teams on, 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 on a good night. And they can also lose to a lot of teams on a bad night as well. So hopefully it's a bad night next Monday
0: night. Yeah. I mean, and that's what happened with the Wildcats last season. Right. I mean, when, when the birds came to Ogden, they got absolutely crushed. Like they were not ready for what happened and they got embarrassed in Ogden, you know, coach Todd Simon is a good, good coach. I mean, he didn't want to see that happen again. And so what, you know, the following Saturday when the Wildcats took the trip down to Cedar city, they regrouped and they were ready. It was a close game. The Wildcats actually had that game. I mean, I mean, we all watched it. Um, Just a couple of key turnovers there at the end ended up giving, giving SUU the game. Uh, But it was, it was, it wasn't like they blew us out. You know, they, they just, they played their game and things kind of went their way and they ended up winning by like two or one or whatever and yeah being. yeah they won and, by 5 and going back and looking at the box score which yeah. gosh i wouldn't recommend anybody do
2: um <laughs> the wildcats Wildcats shot 39% from the field and 29% from beyond the arc. Um that's so crudy. just a really, really bad shooting night. Um uh really bad shooting night for the cats um in Cedar City last year. So um hopefully we can, you know hopefully that's not a repeat performance next Monday.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that it feels like the Wildcats are kind of working through some of those shooting woes. And so uh, let's take a look at the schedule, guys, and wrap this one up. Uh, like you noted, Sean, tonight at Idaho State, 7 o'clock, um, which is coming up in an out, about an hour, uh, ESPN Plus or won one The Wave. Uh, if you want to watch that one, then Thursday, the, the Bengals will be coming to Ogden to the Purple Palace to take the Wildcats on again. 7 p.m. ESPN Plus, one The Wave. Get tickets. Just go to the game. Tickets available at Sports.com will be a fun one. I mean, this this is the kind of game where you want to go and get loud. So bring your big heads, bring your signs, go out there, bring your family, get loud. Watch for promos, man. There have been so many promos this year. Like, I mean, no, no reason to not to pay. I mean, there's all kinds of marketing things going on. So just just watch for them.
1: I, I might know somebody on this panel that has six tickets that he won't be using because of workplace obligations. So, so... hit me up at my handle if you, if you need uh, free tickets.
0: Yeah, so hit us up if you're if you're looking to get some seats. Sean's got good seats, folks. I mean, he's, he's been sitting in those seats for a while. I mean, those are good seats. Uh, then Monday, January 24th, like we said, that brutal road trip coming up. Wildcats take the trip down to Cedar City, take on SUU, 7 p.m., ESPN Plus, 103, The Wave. Then Thursday, January 27th, at Northern Colorado, in the bank, 6 p.m., ESPN Plus, a 103, 1 The Wave. Then finally wrap up that week, Saturday, January 29th, in Sacramento, at Sac State. In uh, what do they call it? The Nest. It's called the Nest. I hate that place. It's uh, it's that's and that's that's from volleyball. Like that's totally from volleyball. Like I freaking hate the Nest. APM.
1: It was at Sacramento that had to put their football video board in the basketball arena, right? So it they do everybody is, is they try? This is it Sacramento or Portland? Uh, one of the green teams. I thought it was Sacramento. One uh, of the green uh, teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, but they, uh, those, their video, their those ob- dang green teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's the teams you hate to lose to because you should never lose to a green team in the big sky conference.
0: But I hundred percent agree with you. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I did see the Sac state, uh, volleyball team coming through the airport. We were just coming back from uh, Nashville, saw them in the airport. And uh, I mean, they, they were, they were a good team, but yeah, I mean, it basically any other sport, like there's no reason that we should be losing to the green teams. I mean, even Portland state was, a, was a good, you know, a good volleyball team this year, but I mean, Wildcats handled business. Okay. Then finally, Monday, January 31st, back home in the Purple Palace against a good Eastern Washington team, you know, and I say that, everybody might laugh, but this team is scrappy folks, like do not look past this Eagles team. They have beat remember that team that beat us by 34, Washington State? Yeah, they beat them. So just saying, ESPN plus 103 won the wave, or just go get tickets and uh, take your family out on Monday night in a couple of weeks all right guys that's the show you know where to email us weberstateweekly gmail.com facebook instagram twitter patreon.com slash weberstateweekly uh yeah dan hubbler knows what's up best quote should never Thanks, stand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> should, should never lose to the green teams that's- in the big sky conference that includes cal poly by the way I don't care. That includes Cal Poly. Um, the dang hey, w- triple option. <laughs> uh, they got rid of the triple option, but Jay Hill knows what to do with the triple option. I'm just saying. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up like we usually do. I'll say it. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. <laughs>